0: Hey everybody, it is Chris from the Running Rogue Podcast coming at you with a special episode from Rogue Running in Austin, Texas. Steve is here with me. Hey, Steve. Hello, podcast world. (laughs) As promised, we've got to give you a New York recap from this past weekend. Lots to talk about there and also fully digest the Breaking 60 attempt that I had this (laughs) past weekend at, at Run for the Water. So we'll give you a full update on uh, whether or not I broke sixty, and then how how uh, that went. So we'll start with that. We had uh, the Run for the Water ten miler this past weekend here in Austin. Also has a five k associated with it. It was a big a big day for for Austin runners. We had Mark Pinalis. Back on form after suffering some injuries earlier this year, supposedly with no training. Although supposedly I, he said no repeatedly
1: to me that he had not done much training, but uh, he,
0: won, he won going away in fifty one minutes o- on over
1: one guy who was definitely training because he's getting ready for CIM, so he's yeah. in pretty good shape, and another guy who, you know, admittedly is coming off of trail and ultra trail stuff mostly, but yeah, he had a, a signature win for so Mark. yeah,
0: beat Will Nation by nearly a minute. Both Mark and Will are former UT track and cross country athletes. And then David Fuentes, a longtime Austin runner who has been doing more mountain running recently, finished the podium on the men's side on the women's side. Allison Mendez-Cleaver came back into town her first race back in town after moving back to Austin from Houston with the win in just under 62 minutes for the women. Kristen Tucker, Team Rogue athlete, had a massive result for her to get second huge. overall. Yep. And then Jennifer Hall was third rounding out the podium with Kate Barrett in fourth. So big day up front. For me, the day was big. Also, obviously, I was trying to break 60 minutes in this race. This was my seventh attempt in a row. So I've done this race seven years in a row. We've talked about my journey to this breaking 60 goal on many episodes of the podcast, and I did not achieve it. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It was a tough, tough day. Before we break all that down, though, I wanted to say a few things. First of all, kudos to Gilbert and his team at the Gazelle Foundation for putting on another race. Amazing race. It's the best race in town, in my opinion. It's It's just... I mean, Cap 10K is Cap 10K,
1: and it's such a circus, but in terms of my... I just... That race has just a... It's just incredibly difficult. He calls it difficult. They flip the directions every year, every a year or so when they can, and yeah. it's uh it's just incredibly well put on and um and a great a great race. I try to get all the athletes I have to run it every year it's, and half since its first year. So
0: it's one of those to me that every Austin runner has to do every year. And look, there's a 5K option. There's a 10 mile option. Whether you're in shape or not, you should be out at Run for the Water. It supports an incredible
1: cause and supports a ambassador of distance running for our city who is I mean Gilbert is just an amazing human being and to support him and support his cause and in the long run basically support our our local community and running it's um it's just huge it's amazing it's a big deal
0: and for those that don't live in Austin Gilbert is a longtime Austin runner has a training group that in some ways competes with ours called Gilbert's Gazelles And his Gazelle Foundation raises funds to build wells in Burundi, his native country. And so he's basically bringing clean water through this race to Burundians in his native country. So great cause, great race. If you're an Austin runner, you should be doing it every single year, just like the Captain Gay. And if you didn't get out there this year, get out there next year. So that's my first point. Second point is I have a lot of people to thank had a lot of support on the course. I had people that I don't even know through the podcast emailing me wishing me luck. It's so for, awesome. For the race, which is just really cool, I had my wife put together a cheer station of rogues out there. My kids were out there, they made signs. So it was a big deal. My own group that I coach had a had its own cheer station with about a half mile to go. So there were a lot of people out there supporting me and then of course you were out there. We had lots of our own runners doing it. And so it was a really cool experience to see and feel all that support. So I wanted to thank everybody for that support. And, and thirdly, before I talk about myself, I got to talk about my team rogue teammates, Albert Marino, who I trained with directly had an amazing race, actually breaking 60 and a negative split. Kristen Tucker, obviously we've already mentioned had an amazing race with a m- massive negative split for her nearly three minutes, It's <laughs> you know, crazy. Front, front to back. Yep. Almost ran me down at the end. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, she was only like two
1: seconds behind her. I mean, it was, was like it? seven, I seven think. Seconds. But yeah. in,
0: anyways, she had an amazing finish, and I could I could sense her coming, um, and did all I could to hold her off. But but both amazing races, also others that were out there, giving everything had you know Jay and and Ashish and Rebecca, lots of good races out there. So I want to commend all of my Team Rogue teammates for their results really impressive and inspiring to me even though I didn't have the day I wanted. And then for me, you know, I've got no excuses. I mean, the, you know, you always say, Steve, what does the race require? And the race required the ability to manage the conditions. (coughs) And I wasn't ready for that. You know, it was 75 degrees on race morning with 95 plus percent humidity, really, really warm and humid conditions. And you know, and I did what I could only do, which is go out and run the plan no matter what. <laughs> and so I went out 547 first mile, which, you know, in retrospect may have been a little bit too hot or fast, but, you know, usually in a race, I'm able to, even if I go out a little fast, I'm able to manage it and kind of back off and move, you know, move back into p- position to kind of recover. But in this case, I, you know, I, I went out fast and then stayed on plan through about three miles. I think I came through just over 18 flat through three miles right after I saw you or right before I saw you, but was clearly working too hard. And in the fourth mile, as we got into the hills, I started getting a little dizzy and just kind of not feeling right up top and had to back off to kind of get my wits about me again. And through the hills lost about 20 seconds a mile I think or 30 seconds a mile in that middle section like miles three and four and then did everything I could after that you know I I didn't completely crater (laughs) you know I had a one minute positive split after a fast start so it wasn't terrible terrible finish and I did all I could you know Dominic who trains with us jumped in with me and I think he'll tell you that you know I was given everything I could till the end and I didn't quit, but I just didn't have it, didn't manage the conditions well, didn't uh, respond well in those conditions, and felt like I felt, and, you know, the the result is what it is. So let's unpack this a little bit more. Your, yeah. your, uh, I, I think
1: your statement of saying didn't handle the conditions well sort of makes it seem, and, t- and our listeners might think that there was something that you could have done about that, but honestly... I don't know what you could have done about that. You're not you're not you're not a, a part of the Oregon project where you could put yourself in a room and juice up the humidity and juice up the heat and do some workouts in it. We do have hot weather in our conditions. You've ran in many days of workouts in weather that was the same as that. So you were as acclimated as probably anybody could be for that kind of condition. So I, I want to make sure our listeners hear this is what happens with athletes The really really the athletes who take full responsibility do what Chris is doing which is to say the burdens on me but in it, it's my job as his coach number one to to separate what can what is controllable and what's not controllable and in this case the major factor for you not getting under 60 um, was uh, uncontrollable is that correct
0: I think so I mean you know again I'm not using that as an excuse my focus well, was controlling. Why why,
1: I mean, but you would. Do you think that? Do you think that if the weather conditions were different, the week before, the Saturday before, or the Saturday we're probably going to end up with this next week? You know, that we got a ten day of humidity, <laughs> humidity that are right here that sat right in the middle of this race. If you had a different weather conditions, how close do you think you would? Would you have had a punters chance
0: of getting <laughs> under sixty? I mean, I, does it matter? I, I think so. It does so. matter. I it does so. matter. It matters because this is, how we break, it. this is how you break this down. I think if I was ready to do it. I mean, I think my result three weeks ago showed that I was fit. I was ready. I did everything I could the week before. You know, an armchair quarterback might say, well, you started too fast. You should have adjusted your plan, all those things. But you would have adjusted but
1: your plan. You wouldn't have gotten under 60.
0: No, I, I
1: agree. There was no, you were on the There, on there edge was no way
0: in those conditions I was going to do it um, that day, and You know, the one thing for me that's weird is that I had a couple of workouts this cycle when we did the two-mile repeats over in Barton Hills. And then even when we did the course simulation work where I kind of got a similar feeling and I've never had that experience in humid conditions. So I don't know if there's something different physiologically that's going on that's causing me to respond differently to those conditions than I have in the past. But I've seen dramatic differences between what I can do this cycle in warm, humid conditions versus what I can do in better weather. And what's causing that? I don't know if it's something different in me or in my preparation. But, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. It's like I didn't get it. And it doesn't matter why or. It does. um, It does.
1: It does matter why. Not because we're stringing out because, Chris, you've been super open and honest with everyone about how what your goal was, and um, you're, what you're trying to make sure that you avoid doing, whether you're conscious of it or not, is make excuses, but guess what? Too bad, and I'm your coach, and I'm <laughs> making excuses for you. Now, the, now, you might say back, well, what about Albert? What about Kristen? What about these people that manage it and handled it? Different bodies handle these kinds of conditions differently, um, and I think that that's important to lay out, <clears throat> number one. Number 2 you never you didn't make an excuse before the gun went off either. I didn't get any last minute text from you asking for adjustments. I didn't get any statement from you even in the in the in the hour pre- preceding the race where you knew you were going to have a challenge and you knew that the day was not going to be optimal. You still said we're going to do this, we're going to get after it. And so perhaps part of the reason why you had the, the circumstances that you had in terms of getting lightheaded and having issues with that was because you didn't adjust. And if you were talking to one of your athletes, you would probably have said, well, that makes sense. There is a question about a governor, right? So do you now, have you had a few conditions or a few circumstances where you've had hot and humid weather conditions where your body is making the decision for you? That's a deeply frustrating scenario, one in which you never, it really is, it's kind of like, um, ALS, right? Where you, 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 you have this thing happening to your body, but you can't do anything about it. So I think there are some things we should be looking at in terms of workouts. What is the edge that you can go to that you can't, that, that where you can press and when can't you, the great news was you got to that space, you backed back off, you managed it. And I think you getting out of that race, what you got out of it was amazing given the, the circumstances you were in. Um, Two two challenge points to you, right? Things for you to work on as an athlete is, number one, continue to, to wrestle with what was controllable and what wasn't controllable until you get to a place where you feel satisfied with the situation. I still can tell from you your energy is dis, ultimately dissatisfaction and maybe a little bit of thought that there was something you could do about it when I would tell you I don't think there was. But number two, okay, we can't change the fact that we're going to have hot and humid weather conditions in central Texas for races on at any different given time, and so you still have then you we need to make plans either through training and through through race planning on how we're going to adjust and handle that um, and you know I think that if you had come to me and said, "Steve, I need to adjust my plan, I want to get under sixty one minutes I would have said. Are you really okay with that? Given the fact that you put this out to the whole world. Now, if it were just you and me, and you hadn't put this out to the whole world, I would have said, "Absolutely, let's go to sixty-one minutes." And yeah. you probably would have run, you know, sixty fifty-eight, and maybe you would have gotten it right. But but you hadn't, and I didn't think you should make the adjustment. And I and I certainly wasn't going to bring it to your attention because it was a ten-mile race. So it was either going to happen or not happen, and we we're going to deal, right? Yeah. And if I adjusted for everybody, then Albert wouldn't have gotten under sixty. You know, Kristen, what I would, she she would have ignored me anyway, no matter what I said. She was going to do whatever the hell she was going to do, but ultimately, um, you know, you you just made the decision not to, and I think you should be commended for that. I also want to reiterate something that one of the athletes who's in Team Rogue, who's a coach for us, Amy Baker, said on Facebook, and she said, "Chris, you've been so consistent over these number of years in the way that you've approached this race and the competitive competitiveness that you've brought to this race." And you've you added to it by doing this podcast and putting yourself out there. And I think all of our listeners should commend you and you do deserve commendation for sticking to it, going for it, and putting it out there. It's super cool. And I think um, your level of consistency and the fact that you've seen this now over the number of different years, given weather conditions, a different race is happening for you is another sort of indicator. Hey, you had super hot weather conditions where you performed nearly as the race that you did today. Um, and weather conditions where you had better circumstances and you got really close. So, you know, uh, again, as you said immediately on to next year, we're going <laughs> to go, we're going to we're going to throw it out there one more time. We're going to make right. a stab at it another time. And hopefully Mother Nature will 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 help, you know, with it. I mean, again, if we'd had it last weekend or this coming weekend, who knows It would have been? You would have had a, more of a punter's chance. But you, you, you didn't really have much of a chance, in my opinion, on Sunday.
0: It, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. It was going to be tough. I mean, I will say I'm disappointed, but I am at peace with it. It's, at least it's not something I'm going to linger on. I posted on Facebook fairly quickly because I know people wanted to know how I did that. Hey, you know, y- you only fail when you stop trying, as the famous Albert Einstein quote goes. And, and I've told some athletes of mine that if it takes me 10 more years, <laughs> I will get under 60. I'm going to do it. I will not stop. Uh, So, you know, for now, it's on to the next, which for me is a Houston marathon, at least in some form. We'll see how that plays out this week. I'm you know, running as I normally would, but making sure I get properly recovered. And then we'll kind of get back on on it next week. And we we keep moving on Mm -hmm. to the next. I will say that I have to send special thanks to some of my athletes. It's funny. I got several texts from athletes that I coach that were playing my words back to me <laughs> from previous disappointments. In fact, one of my athletes, she, she sent me a screenshot of a text message that I sent her from two years ago <laughs> after she had a disappointing race in the fall and kind of just playing those words back to me and, and my words of encouragement to her at the time. And so I just want to thank them for kind of supporting me and being there for me and, you know showing me that hey it's I'm not in this alone we're all in this together it's a community and and whether you whether you get your goal or not people will be there for you and they're going to support you through it and then you get back on the horse and keep working on it together.
1: Yeah, I came up with this um statement that I when I started coaching at the University of Texas because athletes that I would coach would be so demoralized or so nervous before a race. So it works on either end, right? And it's what you're talking about. It's that you're going to put your shorts on, you're going to go out for a run <laughs> the next day, and you're going to put the miles in, and you're going to get right back at it. So while it is important to have command performances and go for things, it's also important to recognize before and after the race that life moves on, and we keep we keep going to the next thing and learn from the expe- experiences that we have to the best of our ability. And um, you know, I don't. I think from a training perspective, there's not much more you could change unless you were going to make it all that you were going to do it was a command performance for you but it was always in the back of your mind that i'm really a marathoner and this is not really my my main thing it's an a race for this cycle but i also have another thing coming out in front of me um while houston probably isn't super super command performance although we'll see maybe maybe you'll rebound um and we did do specific training for you it's not like we did a purposeful just 10 mile plan for you with a huge peak so um anyway just again i i think it's really important to to give you the credit that you're due for the courage it takes to put that out there for the whole world to hear and then have to come here and um, and face the music and say, hey, I didn't get what I wanted and I've got reasons, um, but it doesn't change the
0: fact that didn't. I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> <Yeah. Yep. laughs> and by by way of segue to our New York recap, I, this is something else I've been thinking about myself and really something that, we talked about with Emma Coburn and Courtney Frerichs when they got their medals at the world championships, you know, they, the way they talked about their races was they didn't know. Emma didn't know she could win gold at some level. She believed it was possible, but she didn't know all she had to do was commit to putting herself in position to be there when it mattered. And that was something I was thinking about all week and, and looking at the weather and you're obviously frustrated looking at the forecast and seeing it's not going to be ideal, but For me i didn't have to know whether or not i could run under 60 in those conditions all i had to do was commit to trying and running the plan that we had and that's what i did and in this case it didn't work out that i was able to do that but it's not always going to work out and i think in the case of shalane as we segue to new york you know it's fun when it works out for somebody because you know looking at that race she was up against the greatest you know, one, you know, either the the greatest or the second greatest. One of the greatest. One of the greatest female marathoners of her time. Current women's only world record holder in the field had run away completely from everybody last year. And she knew that given if they both had their best days, she couldn't beat Mary Kataney. but she didn't have to know that she could win that race. All she had to do was commit to the plan that would put her in position to win the race. And then it worked out that she did so so let's segue there which is an amazing new york and by the way it was the perfect antidote for a crappy race yes <laughs> being able to go home and watch new york and get your picks right or <laughs> yeah. nearly as close pretty close I to good. right I, I was pretty you were good. better than me that's had, for sure i had uh you know <laughs> three of the top four women in in slightly different orders yeah. but um but i mean we'll start with the women's race because that was obviously the biggest deal for for Americans on the day, and, and and for Americans in a long time, Shalane wins first New York marathon marathon by a female in 40 years since 77, and and to do it in that fashion, kind of running away from two of the greatest marathoners. I mean, you've got Mary Katane who we just talked about, and then Edna Kiblagad, Kibla- and then I don't know the Ethiopian as well, but she's you know a 2:21 right. marathoner to run away from them the way she did. Put two put a full minute into in the final two and a half miles or so and to finish so strongly it's it's just it's beyond inspiring i mean beyond inspiring inspiring. i don't know how
1: many people were my facebook feed and instagram feed were blowing up with tears people in tears and it's so nice to have an athlete that we all respect and we all know is doing everything she possibly can to be the best and in our opinion (laughs) in the right way um succeed on the largest stage and surprise the heck out of people. Now, you and I talked about this offline. The weather conditions or Mary Kataney's problems that happened that day, which we'll discuss <laughs> in a second, yeah. you know, my state, I didn't realize those things. I, I After I got off, after I saw the race results and did a little bit of reading, I kind of walked away from it. I didn't realize that she had a, a, an excuse, but I just could not understand why Mary was allowing... That race to go that way. It was, I mean, I don't know that Mary can run under 15 minutes for 5K right now. Honestly, I mean, she can run 26.2 in 217, 216 low, high, 217 low, but it's another thing altogether to run 15 minutes for 5K. And and we know Shalane had just done that, so right. Mary can probably run 15 minutes for 5K. But she hadn't just done that as part of her cycle and part of her training cycle. And, you know, and Shalane also had two really solid 10Ks, two low 31 10Ks that were real indicators of where her real fitness is. I mean, they let her sit around there and let her take that race from them. And and they also, if they knew anything of the psychology, which Jerry talked about, but anybody that's been following Shalane has known that if sh- there's blood in the water, that <laughs> shark is going to hunt. <laughs> she she is. is a brutal closer of any race. Very rarely gets beat over the final half or final quarter of a race. And so... They laid it out there, but again, as we said, Chris, there's no way for Shalane to take advantage of that or to win that race if she's not in a position to be there. If she doesn't do the work, if she doesn't plan, if she doesn't get herself in that mind space to compete against these women, she can't win that race. She had to be there to take advantage of it, and she did. And, I mean, she was, even she was shocked with the amount of time that she put
0: on them. She crushed them over the final <laughs> 10K. Did. Crushed them. I mean, and just to recap the race, she, w- she came through with a fairly large group with all of the favorites, in 116-18. So pretty pedestrian, as you might say. First half, her split for the second half was 110-45. So just over 121, or sorry, just over 221 kind of marathon pace for the second half with a five-and-a-half-minute negative split, closing out the final three miles in the low five minutes, running away from Katani, Kiplagat. In in
1: Central Park, uphill. Anybody that's run that race knows (laughs) it's not an easy. It is
0: very hard to run faster at the end of that race, and uh, the Ethiopian Daska completely just blew them up, ran away from them, and and really didn't show any fade at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think her last mile was slightly slower than her 25th mile, which was the fastest, her fastest of the race, but it was like 5:06 versus 5:11. And it wasn't really until the final few steps where she kinda let the emotions sink in that she started to wobble a little bit, but she was just on it. Her stride looked perfect, beautiful, strong, all the way to the very end. It was great to see her mouthing. Fuck yes. That was so awesome. (laughs) That was (laughs) that was so awesome.
1: Raising her fist and shouting that you knew that's what she was saying. It was it was so cool. It was so cool. It
0: was cool. And you know, the thing for me that you know, people I don't think really appreciate about somebody like that is that she's been marathoning for seven years. And she talked about it when in one of her interviews, postway, she's been doing this for seven years. She's been dreaming about this moment since she was a kid, but she's been working on this for seven years. And for these runners, it's, it's a 24 seven proposition. I mean, it's running, you know, 12, 13, 14 sessions a week. It's, sleep, it's eating, it's doing everything right every day of the year when you're in these training cycles. And for Shalane, who had come off injury earlier this year, she was kind of refocusing back and so she was in the pool from what I understand back in March trying to overcome the stress fracture. And and then to come back and do this after so much years of putting in the hard work when no one's looking by herself this cycle training in Mammoth without her teammates for a big chunk of it. I mean, the, the type of dedication and focus it takes to do that is just unbelievable and so inspiring for me because, you know, that's what this sport is about. Mm-hmm. It's about doing the work. Absolutely. And I don't know if you
1: read Tony Rivas's, um profile of her where he, he basically called out her relentlessness and how she's been relentless for her entire career. Um, another thing many people don't know about Shalane is her mother was the American record holder, maybe even the world, the world record, record holder for the, marathon, for the marathon, the first woman ever under 250 for the marathon. So she's, while she has a pedigree, a pedigree doesn't do it alone. It's hard, hard work and a, an attitude of relentlessness that Tony, Tony pulls out there about how many times she went for it. She took risks. She takes chances so that she could be on the cusp of one day having this kind of opportunity. Um, so exciting to me. And, you know, there's all this wonder, will she retire? Will she, uh, I, you know, Boston means a lot to her. I'll be in utter shock if she's not on the starting line. She, she would be. F- it would be foolish for her not to go to the starting line for the payday by itself, in and of itself. But I think that she'll also, she's got enough time to take her time, recover, recuperate, get herself back, and take one more stab at that before she retires. Um, Shalane Flanagan goes down as one of the great American distance runners of all time. This solidifies that. She puts her in that position of saying, hey, she got that big win she needed. She's been an Olympic medalist. Um, and now she's a cross medalist. world cross medalist. She's she was six at the Olympic Games. She's she's done everything that she can do to. And then winning this world marathon title just takes it over the edge. It's Especially just against this field. Yes, I mean, one for of sure. The most stacked no Olympic joke. It was no joke. No, no
0: soft. No soft <laughs> no, group. No soft group. Mary Katani, which we'll kind of mention here. She did say in her post interview that she had a quote problem pop up on saturday afternoon which was later confirmed by let's run through her agent that she got her period for the first time in three months on saturday before the race you know we've talked about women's running on this on this show with mallory and jen and there's no way for us to Im- empathize at all in terms of what that's like or how that feels especially after being without it for several that's months. the key if she were consistently on cycle <clears throat>
1: While many women have lots of challenges with their different, women have periods that are, are more difficult than others. But it's the weirdness and that it's like getting sick. It's like getting sick right before your race. Um, right. You know, it just the you're losing that much blood right before you run. A huge race is, is is a real challenge and very hard to overcome. And um, she
0: gave that as a reason why she didn't follow her typical
1: style of right. Of going she didn't use it hard. as an excuse. She yeah. just said, "This is why I didn't do what I was I gonna go what you would have expected me to do."
0: And she still got second. <laughs> I mean, amazing, <laughs> right? Still ran away from almost him. all. <laughs> Im- I
1: mean, really an impressive, really impressive that she was able to do that.
0: Yes. Yeah, and she was in it all the way to the end. You could tell. So hats off to Mary Kataney for for this result she won new york three years in a row this was her attempt at four in a row but there was destiny involved i think with shalane on this one and the f- ended up fourth behind the ethiopian daska also amazing you could tell she was just not quite fresh after Too much racing you know, man. three marathons Too in much a year, racing in really a nine-month time frame she needs to chill it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot but to me it's still impressive that she did what she did and i mean she was in it you know until that 23rd mile when chilling kind of broke things up and so impressive there also impressive ali Kiefer coming out of nowhere 15 minute pr to run a 229 to get fifth and, you know, her first marathon that she ever ran was like at two fifty five, two fifty five. She ran two forty four indoor marathon at the armory. Yep. Which is kind of a, a, st- a stunt of sorts this past spring. And then took 15 minutes off of that. You know, she's a Foot Locker finalist. She's competed well at ncaa's she's got a pedigree she qualified for the olympic trials in 2012 for the 10k so she has a pedigree but she gotten away from it a little bit had been struggling with some injuries she talks about how she's had some you know eating challenges that she's been managing and but has kind of gotten back in a good place with running Has surrounded by a community training in buffalo new york called the village which is a running community where she's doing some coaching there and training and she's kind of falling back in love with the sport, and so it's so Coaching cool. Coaching herself, writing her own workouts, listening yeah. to her body, doing running what she needs to do. Twenty miles on her own. She, sometimes she said, "I think but really she's somebody impressive. we
1: need to be looking at as potential." You know, she, a two twenty nine here on this day, with the way that race went, and her not running that. She ran off that pack, for, yeah. um, even, as slow as they went out. She was still Behind off them, that pack. Yeah. Um, she's somebody you got to look at and say, oh, there's there's something there." Um, and on a fast on a fast race day. What what on a faster course? What should, would she have been
0: able to do? So somebody keep your eye on. Definitely. Sure. Then you had Kellen Taylor and Stephanie Bruce rounding out with f- four uh, American-born women in the top ten, and then you had Diana DeCuri, who just became a naturalized citizen, finished ninth. So we had fin- five U.S. citizens in the top ten on the women's side, which is amazing. I think the one disappointing result. Other than Betsy Sayna, who we mentioned, who had to drop out, mm-hmm. drop out. Alphine Tuliemuk ended up thirteenth; was never really in it on this one, which is kind of a surprise. She looked like she was off; something just not right from the very beginning. Yeah. Who knows what that story
1: is? But, um, I, and I, I, as I said, I've, I've watched Alphine run many races, and, um, she's not one to be shy or to be reticent. So something must have been really wrong, or for her not to be up there, because it's not sort of a she's not here and there with her race plans. It's usually pretty aggressive off the front, pushing and being in a main pack. So um hopefully she's able to rebound quickly and, and we'll be able to we'll be able to see some better
0: results from her. We will be watching. And so with that going back to Selene for a second before we transition to the men's race one of the things that I thought was cool was well, first of all, listening to Jerry, her coach, who is a rare interview and apparently he said he was going to be on a flight immediately back to Portland, but they convinced him to stick around. And somebody end up getting an interview, which is a rare Jerry Schumacher interview. But you got to give him credit. Again, Bowerman Track Club showing up in big races, as they always tend to do. And I love his interview because he's so humble about his role. He never he he he, he didn't even he
1: said he didn't even think it was going to happen. Even when it was going to happen, almost you yeah. know, it's like he definitely is, does it. Him not being in the spotlight is not curmudgeon-ness. Uh, there's a little curmudgeon-ness. He's a bit of a curmudgeon, but sure. it's much more about letting his athletes shine.
0: Yeah, and and you know, and clearly he he gives them most of the credit. You know, for better or for worse. I thought it was cool though when they asked him about what what was the strategy for this one for Shalane, and he said, "Look, it was simple. It was cover every move from the beginning. So if Mary had gone off the front, Shalane would have yeah. been on it." And then, you know, push until you can't push anymore. And if there's something there at the end, go for it. That yep. was the plan. Really straightforward. And so that also showed for Shalane that she was she was going for it no matter what. No matter how fast the pace was from the beginning. So that's cool. I also thought it was cool that Shalane talked about in the final miles how she was thinking about Meb Uh And yes. his race in Boston and what he's done and how she wanted to make him proud. So cool. Um, You know, and then when she crossed the finish line, she immediately went to the left and hugged two women there, both from Meb's family. I don't know if it was, I think it was his sister and his wife were standing there right by the Mm -hmm. finish line. And those just happened to be the first two people before the president of the NYRR was there. So she went over and hugged them and kind of thanked them for, you know, giving, you know, Meb to her as inspiration. So to me, that was just really cool to see on Meb's, you know, final marathon to see him have a role. In Chillane's race is really cool. So with that, let's talk about the men's race. I um, almost, in spite of myself, got this one right. Yeah. Jeffrey Combroror. You got it. You got got it. Got the win with the the late ad Wilson Kipsang getting second. Not a huge surprise that he was on the podium, but maybe a surprise that he didn't get the victory, although he almost ran him down at the end. Uh,
1: If that race had been (laughs) less than 200 meters longer, I think he would have caught him. Uh, it didn't look like Jeffrey Jeffrey had that the next the next wheel lift, and it was definitely seeing Kip saying close. But hey, I'm happy to be wrong in this regard. I have been a champion of 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 Quamore, but I have not, as I said in my our last podcast, he's given me no reason, and so I couldn't go for him until he got a win. Now I feel like he's one of the most versatile runners in all of the sport, um, and he proved it with. A great race, but again, Kip saying, "What the hell, You're right?" Kip saying, and 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 Kittaney. Kittaney, why you've now we know why Kataney didn't, but Kip sang, "Why not?" You've got to go off the front. You cannot leave a guy who is a twenty-six mid, twenty-six mid ten k guy in the race with you. The guy right. has got incredible wheels. He knows how to. And, and Kip sang has been so far away from that for so long that it was interesting that Kip sang closed on him, but that was a factor of just what the marathon does to you right. The move and the ability to run a four thirty one in Central Park uphill, motoring away from everybody is why War won it, and what a great race and and such a great way to win and I'm so happy that he did get the win i mean i would have if Kip sang had caught him it would have been it would have been hard to take because. It would, have been an, it would have been me being right about Moore again, <laughs> which I didn't right. really want to be. So I'm super happy that he got it done and that he's now, you know, two-time world cross-country champion. He now got his first marathon major, and he's a force to be contended with in marathoning to go forward. Although he has stated, Chris, he's not interested in just running the marathon. He wants to keep— No, he wants to mix it up. And I don't know if you saw or heard, but did you—you you know, he's, he's also—he um, has an incredibly illustrious training partner, um, who happened to be at the finish line there. Kipchoge, when, he, Kipchoge, so when cool. he finished. And Kipchoge was just, seemed somebody said, it seemed like he was happier for Quelmore's win than he was for his own. Yep. Like He was so effusive. And, you know, Patrick Sang, former Texas Longhorn, getting it done with his athletes left and right and left. And by the way, I don't know if you saw, Sena is now moving yes. to that group as well. So expect to continue to see more and more from those folks. It yep. is pretty amazing. Um, and what a great signature win for him, crucial and critical win for him.
0: Yeah, that 431 mile is impressive. For reference, for those listening, the world record marathon pace is 441. So to be able to drop 431 in the 25th mile on a tough course in New York is it's perha- probably why Sang was closing up for, for the right. last mile. <laughs> ha- yeah, he went <laughs> a little too much too soon. <laughs> but, you know, pretty unbelievable. Although, you know, if you look at the overall splits on this one, it wasn't that crazy of a negative split these guys went through the halfway in 6 just over 66 6609. Mm-hmm. And then came through the second half in 6442 for Camroror with Kip saying 3 seconds back of that. So, it's odd to me that Kip saying would have made a push from further out, you know, 17 miles 18 miles. Foolish. And Foolish. as a result, he left the world cross-country champion in the mix. He's also run well on the track, and it cost him. Yeah, it did. I don't... Yeah, It'll be interesting to see. You know, it's also, I think, interesting for somebody like Kip Sang, who typically is in paced races where they're trying to run fast, to switch to a race like this where tactics are involved. And, you know, you see in this case, he played it wrong. And he's come up... In tight races like that, he's
1: come up the loser now twice, at least. So, um, you know, when he lost Berlin to... um, What's his name from Ethiopia? It's like he, that race was really really close to the very end, and then he got he You're got. I'm forgetting, nip, Bekele's, I, name. forgetting <laughs> Bekele's name. I, I'm, I'm terrible with names. It's very hard to remember names for me. But anyway, he he's lost in these tight ones, so he should know that he needs to get away and get away good if he wants if he wants to get a bit get a win. So, but Kip saying I think still is in the conversation for getting a world record. I mean that was a seriously great race for him still, and it was it was proof that. Um, whatever happened in Berlin in uh, this year, uh, he, he very nearly pulled it all off. So, and,
0: and also it's harder than people might realize to try to peak for Berlin and then turn around a couple months later and try to re-peak for New York. I mean, that's really difficult to do. So solid result for him. He's not going anywhere. He'll be back. Uh, Hopefully we can get a Kip Sengba-Kaley, Kipchoge battle again at some point, maybe in London this year. (laughs) let's talk americans i have a little bit of a beef with the american men <laughs> that i was literally yelling at my tv watching the fact that meb was the only american willing to actually cover the moves and stick with that lead pack the entire time i don't understand it you have this 42 year old who's you know knows that he can't hang with these guys in terms of speed but just he also knows he can't help but just at least put himself in position and he hung with those guys till mile nineteen, still finished eleventh and two fifteen, even though, you know, he said himself he struggled over the last three miles and completely collapsed to the finish line at the finish line to the point where he had to be kind of peeled off the concrete. He gave every single thing. He was the only American actually covering these moves, and I don't understand it. I mean uh, maybe Obji, I, I would understand it. He's also forty and a little bit older, but somebody like Jared Ward Like you're not—it's like the Ryan Hall thing. It's like you're not gonna win or put yourself in position to win these races unless you're willing to cover the moves. And it's really frustrating to me. I think the American men have a lot of work to be to do. I totally agree with you, Chris. It's this is an attitude of the women believe and seen
1: around them. If they want to be the best in the United States, they have to be the best in the world. The men have given Galen Rupp the title of the best among the in, the in the nation, and now they're playing second fiddle like we did in the 80s, like we did in the 90s, like we did in the early 2000s, and if they don't, they haven't made the shift that the women have made. Now, once one or two more do it, who is it going to be? I don't know. I've got a few ideas, but whoever it is who decides to get into races and to race instead of protecting themselves and trying to run the best 26.2 miles they can run, listen, this isn't the Olympic trials Get in the race and try to win or get in the race and try to be the best race performance you can do. It's a fucking race, not a <laughs> right. time trial. Right. <laughs> okay? If, if some of those guys who are trying to get an Olympic trials qualifier, I get it. Do it that way, right? Abdi, I get it. He's 40 years old. He doesn't have anything else to prove. He's the wily old veteran. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. But I'm not looking at Abdi to carry the fucking American flag (laughs) and get on the podium at the Olympics. I just don't. But some of those other guys need to get after it, and they need to put their nose in it, and they need to be more aggressive. I'm 100% with you on this. It's very frustrating. I think we have the talent base to be competitive in the world, but I don't believe we've got the attitude. And the women are so much further ahead of where the men are. But I do think, Chris, it's just a few ticks. It's one or two of those folks, whether it's these these Kenyan Americans now that we have that will push that over the edge, or whether it's because you have to. Because what happens, once these Americans can't make their Olympic team because other people are beating them, they'll get better. It just happens. Don't all it. We it talked out. about it before. Once the bar gets lifted, everybody goes up to the next bar. And unfortunately, only Galen has lifted that bar for the American men. And so other men aren't willing to do it. And on the women's side, every woman is lifting that bar up. And every time, we see more and more lifting lifting that, going up to that level. And we're seeing women, American women being in the mix to win world majors in the marathon. And men, there's no, I mean, other than, I mean, the only person we could even comment about having a chance to do that was Meb. And yeah, he went for it. And he didn't do it, but who cares? He's he done was, it before. And he was still 11th
0: in 215. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he still beat Jared Ward by nearly three minutes. Or actually over three minutes. And he's a
1: member of AARP. <laughs> <laughs> right. <I mean. laughs> well,
0: and he talks about how, in his post-race interview, Meb talked about how at mile 21, he stopped because Deborah Selassie had stopped. And he tried to encourage him. He said he gave him a hug and said, hey, let's get to the finish line. And and Debra Selassie said, I'm injured. I can't go. So Meb stopped. He also said he threw up multiple times in, in the final few miles because, again, he had stomach issues like Rio. And then he got to the finish line and collapsed to the concrete with everything. I mean, the man gave everything on the day, and he gave everything in his career. And, and hopefully, the American men around will look at that and be inspired and, and look at Shillane's result. The Bauman Track Club, guys, I'm looking at you, Chris Derrick. Yep. And Bumbleo and mm-hmm. that crew—it's like you've got to match what the women's team is doing there because you're getting your ass beat by Shalane and Amy Hastings yes. Craig. And so, anyway, I'm looking at you, and I expect people to respond. But the fact that Abdi was the first American male at you know in seventh place with a 212 on a day when we should have had more guys in the mix is just disappointing to me. It was another opportunity for a man, an American man, to pull what Shalane
1: did. Now. I don't think that any of the people that were other than Meb that were in that group would have been able to pull
0: that off, but they weren't in it to even find it out. Right. And if you're not in it, you can't do it. You know, we had Shadrach B. who ended up 10th. You know, I had predicted he, might, predicted he might be on the podium. Didn't happen for him. Now, I don't know if you saw Steve, but he has switched to the Hansen's group Yeah. Now. I did so see he, that. he was training by himself in Sacramento. Now he's training with Ritz, Dathan, and company and the Hansen's group. So it'll be interesting to see how those two kind of come together, because I think there could be something left in Ritz potentially. I mean, he certainly has the talent to do it. So I'd like to see him sticking his nose in a race like this. He's also run what 208 is one of the only Americans that's actually been around that point besides meb and Galen Mm -hmm. recently. So we'll see what comes of that. So anyway, overall fascinating men's race. It was just disappointing for me that other than Meb, the American men just didn't show. But let's talk Meb for a second. We have to. I mean, the guy, I mean, I tweeted out after I saw him finish and collapse to the concrete that, you know, he gave everything till the very end. I mean, that's just Meb. And and such an inspiration. It's cool that he inspired Shalane, but he's another one who just does everything right. Such a professional true champion always puts himself in it always gives everything you had and he's not somebody who's always had perfect races i mean he's had bad days he's had bad days in new york he's had bad days at the olympic trials where he didn't you know wasn't able to finish in 08 and didn't get to beijing and yet here's a guy who came back he's the only american american man to win an olympic medal and win new york York and boston we've debated about where he fits in that kind of GOAT U.S. marathoner level. I don't want to debate that, but I just want to talk about... He's up there. I just want to talk about his contribution, not just as a runner, but as a sportsman.
1: I think that if you based it just on sportsmen, you know, as we talked about that in that GOAT episode, about what made Geber Selassie in the position that he was was because of what he did, what made Zadopek in the position that he was in because of what he did outside of the sport. Meb is probably maybe even in a better position for what he's done to him for American distance running in that regard. Um, he is... He he has raised the bar for everyone. The problem is, and it just makes me go back to say, why aren't the American men using him for inspiration? And why is Shalane using him for inspiration but the American men aren't? And I think that we will we will look back on this in five years and I'm hoping that we'll look at it and say... Meb set it all off. He certainly helped set it off for women, but he, but he, he said Meb set it all off, and um, I sure hope we say that because if not, it's going to be a sad. It's going to be we're going to be just forced to only watch
0: women's races because that's the only way we'll <laughs> right? get any satisfaction. <laughs> right, exactly. It was also interesting to see. Speaking of women, Desiree Linden was there in New York running the the U.S. Road 5K Championships. Mm-hmm. She's talked about how she's kind of just mixing it up to refine her passion. It was good to see her finish I think ninth in just over 16 minutes in the 5k there after apparently not a whole lot of 5k focused training but just kind of jumping in and mixing it up so I think we'll see her back Mm -hmm. I would love to see Desiree do something like Shalane has done although she's one that needs to stick her nose in it for longer and be willing to not just run her race at times like she does and maybe that's not her style but I think it could perhaps put her in a different place I'm looking forward to seeing Shalane's decision about yes. retirement. She mm-hmm. said, "You know, what a better way to walk off than with a major win?" But mm-hmm. I think it would be a travesty if that's how it ended. Because I'd love to see her and Jordan Hasay go head to head at some point. And but I, I don't think she should stretch it to the trials. You know, I think I that, agree
1: with that. I think she set this off, and now I think she get take advantage to do her to do her wave into the crowds and kissing babies and getting the benefit of all the work that she's done. But I think it would be valuable for her. I mean, I think I'd love to see her run take one more stab at it. But are we all. One of the other things that people don't really recognize is how much a victory like this takes from you too. So it's going to yeah. take her a long time to sort of get back into the grind. Although I did see that she skipped a couple of uh, she, interview opportunities and went on straight, the Colbert Show. Instead, going home. And went straight back home. So who knows? That's a pretty good indicator of what's going on. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Kitten didn't need you know too much more petting. I mean, I know they've <laughs> got some some. That some kids that they've that they've adopted and that they're working with, but it still seems like she's awfully she's back to work awfully fast and not do, no, she's not acting as if she's in the retirement mode. Well, she also
0: said she hadn't slept at all, so I think it's also part of her style. Just like I got to get home and be with my people. Yeah. But a couple of other notes here. One is that I got to commend ESPN for their work. I mean, it wasn't perfect in terms of. Showing this race, but I think relative to what NBC has done, I much preferred the ESPN broad tech broadcast. I thought John Anderson, who was kind of the lead play-by-play guy who's mm-hmm. done all sports with right. ESPN. I thought he did a really solid job of not only sounding educated, uh, but also knowing when he wasn't and deferring to Tim Hutchins right. Hutchings and Kerry and mm-hmm. Tollebson when needed. And so... I thought the broadcast was really, really well done. I think it's a good sign to also to
1: be on ESPN, to have an opportunity to be in that mix as a sport. Shows that our sport is starting to turn around. If we get a couple more wins the way we have, I think we've, I think we've said this, Chris, all along. Not that our podcast is the indicator of <laughs> turning American distance running around, but it, it, it's more along the lines of there's, fi- there's p- it's proof that people who run want to watch people who run and there's a lot of people who run in america
0: yes and also kudos to the new york road runners for putting on a just fantastic race i mean they along with the baa do it like nobody else the boston athletic association and i had nine runners there myself who all just couldn't say enough even though some of them didn't have the races they wanted they couldn't say enough about the experience in new york So what they do from the front to the back in that race, giving everybody that experience and the crowd is amazing. I mean, you're in the you're in the, you know, the most packed metropolis other than
1: Tokyo, probably in the world. And everybody comes out for that. They part. It's a big party. It is a known thing. So um, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing.
0: And then the final thing I'll say as we close it here is parents with kids. Find a clip of Shalane finishing and show it to your daughters, your sons, yes. because, and I loved it because Shalane herself said this in her press conference. She said, "I, you know, I hope I was able to inspire the next generation of American women," and I think you'll see, you know, in fifteen, twenty years, somebody doing what Shalane did and talking about Shalane doing it and inspiring her or him, and so you know, I, I dragged my kids into <laughs> to the room when, when she was finishing. I was mm-hmm. like, you guys got to see this because this is a huge deal. And they didn't, I, th- I don't think they fully understand it yet, but they will at some point. And so parents find a clip on YouTube or somewhere out there and, and show your kids to heroic finish. And with that, that's we'll it. close it. Uh, amazing. amazing day for all. So Thanks to everybody for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Roguerunning. This has been a special edition version of Running Rogue. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.